This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and Easter Sunday, please consider in your almsgiving a tax-deductible gift to our ministry. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the spiritual journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He's the author of numerous books on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola, as well as the teachings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, including The Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, the book on which this series is based. A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you once more, Chris. We are at a part of the Mass uh, where we actually enter into this beautiful prayer that Jesus gave us himself. The prayer of the Our Father. So I'm going to begin by focusing on the word Father, and then we'll move toward the Mass and Venerable Bruno. Uh, I I know you know, Chris, that I've been working with the Institute for Priestly Formation now for, I don't know, probably about 15 years or so. Wonderful work with priests and seminarians. And I'd like to hope I've given something uh, through whatever teaching and sharing I do there, but I've also received an awful lot from that work. And one of the things that working in that setting has really taught me, I would say has brought to the fore for me in a new way, is our relationship with God as Father. One of the key texts that is often quoted and prayed with in this program for seminarians and also for priests is the the word of the Heavenly Father to Jesus in the moment of his baptism. So I'm looking at this. This is Mark 1, verse 11. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And in baptism, we are all made adopted sons in Jesus, sons of that father. And those same words are said to us as we are made sons of the father in Jesus. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. This began to open up something new for me, not in terms of uh, an affirmation of faith. Of course, you know, I could have said all of this, but by the repetition and the returning in prayer to this, it began to enter more deeply. Yes, I really am a beloved son of this father. In that father's heart, I am loved. I am beloved. And this began to change something in a way I'm deeply grateful for uh, as I relate to the Heavenly Father. I am a beloved son in that Father's heart. I am a beloved daughter in that Father's heart. That's a deep part of my identity. And what it tells us is that at the center of everything in our faith and relationship with God is this uh, deep and profound fact. We are loved with the Father's love. Think of all the goodness of human father, fatherhood, with all the limitations of human experience removed. 
And with all the, the safety, the being known, the presence you can count on, and when you've failed, and in our case, in religious, in religious terms, we've sinned and everything, that there's always, you just beloved there, that's always there for you. It really is a beautiful thing. Over time, I began to see this expressed in various biblical texts, uh, apart from that single verse, and also in a number of saints as well. So in uh, Hosea chapter 11, when Israel was a child, I loved him. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, who took them in my arms. I drew them with human cords, with bands of love. I fostered them like one who raises an infant to their cheeks. I bent down to feed them with all the tenderness of a father's love, in this case toward God's people, Israel, and toward every one of us as part of the church. And then Jesus' relationship with his father. As the father loves me, and who can guess the depths into which we plunge there, in the eternal communion of the Trinity, the immense love between the father and the son that is so rich and profound and infinite that it, that it is even a person. That's what the Holy Spirit is, as we understand the Holy Spirit in our theology of the Trinity. Sometimes I think of that when you think of the Holy Spirit as that's the Holy Spirit is simply love. Uh, that also changes the way you relate to the Holy Spirit. But to continue with this first, John 15, 9, as the Father loves me with all of that richness and depth, so also I love you. So the way in which Jesus loves us permits a sharing in, reflects the infinite beauty of the way he himself is loved by the Father. And Jesus, in his priestly prayer in John 17, prays that for the unity of his disciples, so that the world may know that you love them even as you love me. In the way that you love me, may the world know that that's how you love them, my disciples. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that we have received a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father, and Abba with all the tenderness that that term entails. Let's quote St. Therese here again. I know we've mentioned in other conversations how just a few years ago, I spent about a year and a half in the midst of all that I was doing, rereading pretty much all of the primary sources of St. Therese, and then many of the what I found to be the better uh, secondary sources. And it was a renewed acquaintance with Therese that uh, I just really found nourishing and uplifting. And as I, I read through these sources, I began to realize why Therese, in contrast to so much of what was around her in the church at the time, instinctively knew that the Jansenist-tinged, Jansenist-inspired image of God as remote, uh, severe, ready to condemn, uh, she instinctively knew that that couldn't be right. And she knew that because of her own experience of fatherhood in her now-canonized father, St. Louis Martin. And I'll just read one passage from her story of a soul, which exemplifies this. And at this point, she's describing her early years uh, of the family's life in Lisieux, and just the evenings, uh, the way they would spend uh, Sunday evening in the winter months. What shall I say of the winter evenings at home, especially the Sunday evenings? Ah, how I loved, after the game of checkers was over, to sit with Celine on Papa's knees, 
He used to sing in his beautiful voice. He had a beautiful singing voice. He used to sing in his beautiful voice airs that filled the soul with profound thoughts. Or else, rocking us gently, he recited poems that taught the eternal truths. Then we all went upstairs to say our night prayers together, and the little queen was alone near her king, having only to look at him to see how the saints pray. When prayer was ended, we came according to age to bid Papa good night and receive his kiss. The queen naturally came last, she was the youngest, obviously, and the king took her by the two elbows to kiss her, and she could cry out in a high-pitched tone, Good night, Papa, good night, and sleep well. Every evening was a repetition of the same thing. So for Therese, if God was Father, then he was above all love. And I'll just mention more briefly that Venerable Bruno's own understanding of God as Father is very similar because we've mentioned also in other settings that his mother died when he was four years old, and he was essentially raised by his father who was a a wonderful Catholic doctor, uh, very medically competent, but just a very fine father of a family for him. So that already from his uh, upbringing, fatherhood meant warmth and love and and, uh, safety and protection, all all of the, the beautiful things that are part of fatherhood when it's lived this way. And his second experience of fatherhood was the spiritual fatherhood of Father Nikolaus von Diesbach, who was his spiritual director for 20 years until Father Diesbach's death, probably a canonizable saint if ever uh, a cause was introduced, just a a really wonderful man of God, and to whom Venerable Bruno was always grateful and from whom he gained his essential spiritual identity. He was essentially shaped by what he learned from, spiritually shaped by what he learned from Father Diesbach. So that for Venerable Bruno, Whenever you see him write about God as Father, there's always something warm about it. There's something loving. If we need forgiveness, it's a Father who is eager to forgive, or as he says, who is honored when we ask his, his forgiveness. It's, it is easy for Venerable Bruno to think of God as Father. There's a warmth about it and a love in it, because his whole experience of fatherhood also was something so warm. So when we reach now the prayer of the Our Father in the Mass, how are we going to live it? And Venerable Bruno writes, At the Our Father, I will seek the sentiments and the heart of one who asks for what he needs. Now, I've amplified the original word here. What I have translated as one who asks for what he needs is a single word in the Italian original, mendico. And I'll take this um, translating into English from an Italian, a classic Italian dictionary which defines uh, mendico as follows, a person in need, reduced to extreme poverty, who must beg in order to survive. A person in need, reduced to extreme poverty, who must beg in order to survive. So this word mendico applies when our need is great and we're unable to meet it on our own. And we turn to the one who can supply what we need. And, and it's as though our hearts cry out to this one begging for, asking for the help that we need. We have many wonderful descriptions of this kind of prayer, spiritual mendico, I would say, um, throughout the scriptures. And just to cite a few of these, 
Esther's lovely prayer, which I always love uh, when it comes up in the Liturgy of the Hours here, in, in desperate straits, about to take her life in her hands for the sake of her people. And she turns to God and she says, My Lord, you alone are, are our King. Help me who am alone and have no help but you. This is a heart that recognizes its inability to meet the need. In this case, finds itself in desperate straits and turns to the one who can supply for what she needs. Uh, Daniel's prayer for his people in the time of their exile, when their nation has been shattered, uh, the temple destroyed, they are exiled, everything seems lost, and they are in a time of desperate need. Now, our God, hear the prayer and petition of your servant. And for your own sake, Lord, let your face shine upon your desolate sanctuary. Lord, be attentive and act without delay. For your own sake, my God, because your name is invoked upon your city and your people. In the New Testament, the leper, helpless, ostracized, if you wish, you can make me clean. That, that, that's a beautiful, beautiful prayer of the mendico that uh, Venerable Bruno has in mind. Jairus, when his daughter is near death, my daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her that she may get well and live. Again, uh, a prayer lifted up out of desperate need to the one who can meet that need. And then the centurion, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, suffering dreadfully. And we could go on with so many of these prayers that are brought to Christ. This is what Venerable Bruno is inviting us to ask for in our hearts as we pray the Our Father. So to ask for the hearts and sentiments of a mendico, of one who is in need and uh, is asking for what he needs. I think we could actually summarize what um, biblically is meant by this term mendico in the first beatitude, which let's note is the first of all the beatitudes and the one that gives entrance into the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Essentially, that poverty in spirit, which says, I'm not sufficient to myself. I am in need. I'm helpless to change this situation. And with confidence, I turn to the one in whose power I trust and the one whose love I trust, asking that he assist me in my need. That's the spirit with which Venerable Bruno invites us to pray the Our Father. Uh, just a few examples again of this. In my years in Italy, I came to know and love Alessandro Manzoni's classic novel, The, the Betrothed, in Italian, I Promessi Sposi. Until recently, this was a text that was studied in all the high schools throughout Italy. It was a common cultural heritage. It's a novel that would rank with any of the great novels in any of the languages. It's, it's profoundly Catholic. And at this point, the, the betrothed, Renzo and Lucia are engaged, betrothed to be married, but then a series of circumstances interrupts, this, interrupts the uh, pursuit of this engagement unto marriage through the intrusion of an evil man, really. And I won't get into all the story. But at this point, uh, a plague has descended upon Milan, which is where all of this is taking place. And the city is prostrated um, by the plague. And Renzo is desperate to find Lucia, to find whether uh, she is there and whether she is safe from the plague. And he goes then to this encampment where the, those who are infected with the disease are being placed. It's, it's huge, uh, just barrack after barrack 
of people ill and uh, many dying of the disease, desperate to find out if Lucia is there. And he finds himself near a chapel in, in this encampment, and he approaches it, and Mansoni writes this. On reaching the foot of the chapel, he went and knelt down on the bottom step, and there offered up to God a prayer, or ra- rather a medley of broken phrases, exclamations, entreaties, promises, and laments. I'll interrupt the reading. Have we ever prayed like that? Sometimes when there's such desperation in our hearts, such need, that um, no one listening could even make sense out of the prayer. But this is Monsoni's point. God, God understands. One of those ad- addresses that are never made to other men, for others have not enough penetration to understand them or patience to listen to them. But of course, God hears them and receives them. That's the prayer of a mendico, a prayer that arises from deeply from the heart and is brought to the Father. I'm going to adapt here a page out of another spiritual classic, and this is The Cloud of Unknowing. And the author is illustrating a prayer of the heart, but it can certainly apply in our present context. Let me try to illustrate what I mean, he's speaking about prayer, with an example from real life. A man or woman terrified by sudden disaster is forced by the circumstances to the limits of his personal resources and marshals all his energy into one great cry for help. In extreme situations like this, a person is not given to many words, nor even to long ones. Instead, summoning all his strength, he expresses his desperate need in one loud cry, help. And with this one little word, he effectively arouses the attention and the assistance of others. Nobody can ignore uh, a cry like that. And so this simple prayer, applied now to the spiritual life, this simple prayer bursting from the depths of your spirit touches the heart of Almighty God. And he's referencing the uh, book of Sirach 35.17 about the, the prayer of the humble that pierces the heavens. Uh, finally, I'll just quote another personal memory of a conversation with a, a really fine Catholic doctor some years ago. She said to me that she felt that all of her prayer could be summarized in the words of the thief on the cross to Jesus. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And she said, my prayer is very simple. That's really all that it is. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that's everything. God's redeeming love, it's there. It's always happening. It's happening right now. And that's all my prayer. And I've never forgotten that because probably especially at times when I also feel in in, in real need, I think of that. And of course, we know the lovely sequel, uh, Today, Today, You'll Be With Me in Paradise. That prayer pierces the heavens, if we can use the language of uh, Sirach 35, and is loved in Jesus' heart, and it brings about his entrance into the eternal joy of life with God. I've often thought, yeah, I think, I think this doctor is right. Essentially, that's our prayer. Jesus, remember me. In all the power and joy and love and grace and closeness of your kingdom, Jesus, remember me. So, that's Venerable Bruno's invitation. When you pray the Our Father at Mass, pray it with the heart and the sentiments of a mendico, like these biblical figures or these people who turn to God knowing their need and knowing his love. 
and readiness to respond to that when we bring that need to him with this kind of humble, open, uh, and sincere prayer. Well, how can we grow in praying the Our Father that way? And I think there's a wonderful answer to that question in a piece from the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius, in which he invites us to pray the Our Father word by word, just pausing word or sense unit by sense unit, unhurriedly. So I'll quote uh, how he describes this. Let the person say, Father, and stay with this word as long as he finds meanings, comparisons, relish, and consolations in considerations relating to this word. And let him do likewise with each word of the Our Father. So that if a person prays the Our Father this way, the person ready now to pray might just begin with the word Father. Now that could take you as far as St. Therese goes with it, or Venerable Bruno, or the biblical passages that we've quoted. And as long as you find nourishment, he says comparisons, insights, reflections, consolation in staying with that word, stay there. And maybe that day you never get past that word. Then you might want to amplify it, our Father, and all that our adds to that our common father, and what that says about my relationships with family members, people at work, others in the world, maybe whom I find difficult in other ways, and so forth, who art in heaven, and all that that means, uh, and, and so on through the entirety of give us this day our bread, our daily bread, and, and so forth throughout the entirety of the Our Father. When I was in the seminary, this way of praying the Our Father, of course, you could do this with the um, other prayers as well, the Hail Mary, the Hail Holy Queen, Veni Creator, any prayer that you might want to choose. But this was presented to us as one more way that we could possibly pray in times when it's difficult to get a more, um, to prepare, let's say, in the way that we might normally do. Maybe you're driving all day. This is something you could do in that in that setting. Or when you're out walking for exercise or on the treadmill or while your hands are busy getting a meal together and so on. This is a way of prayer that is always accessible to us. And the Our Father in its own particular way, because it is the Lord's Prayer. And as the church fathers will say, everything that can ever be said in prayer is found there in the words of this prayer. It's just inexhaustibly rich. So this would be my proposal. Would you consider praying the Our Father this way outside of Mass? and maybe more than once. If you do, you'll find that when the prayer comes up in the Mass, it won't just uh, slip by, but your heart will be caught more readily by the words. And the richness of the density that they've uh, reached for you through the meditation on them in this way will be right there at your spiritual fingertips, You know, to use that analogy again, and may nourish the prayer of the Our Father as you say it together with others in the Mass. So this is my proposal. Let's pause right now and let's do it. Let's go through the Our Father and pray it in this way as an invitation to consider possibly praying it in this way in other settings as well, with the very sure confidence that if we do this, it will really bless the way we pray the Our Father in the Mass. Our Father. Father, ponder the love the security, and the providential care of the Heavenly Father 
that this word signifies. Our. All of us share this Father. We are all his sons and daughters, one family. Who art in heaven? Lift your gaze of faith to the infinite joy of heaven, where this Father resides with the Son and the Holy Spirit, the communion to which we are called when earthly life is done. Hallowed be thy name. Ask, beg, petition that this Father's name be held in love and reference in your heart, in your family, in the church, and in the world. Thy kingdom come. Pray that the kingdom of God is love, truth, life, holiness, grace, justice, and peace. Grow and be increasingly rooted in this world. Desire this. Ask for this. Thy will be done with the sentiments and heart of a mendico. Seek the grace to do God's will in your life, in all things, day by day. On earth, pray that God's will be done in the church and in the world. Raise this cry from your heart. As it is in heaven. Contemplate the joy, the harmony, the communion, the peace of heaven, in which God's will is the single guide. Ask that this joy and communion be granted to our world. Give us this day. What are your needs this day? What do your family members need this day? The church, the nation, the world. Ask to be given what you need today. Our daily bread. The material bread we need for our lives and for the sustenance, health, education, and well-being of those entrusted to our care. The spiritual bread. The Eucharist. Holy Communion. And forgive us our trespasses. Ask for the loving encounter with the Father that is forgiveness. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. For healing from the burdens of our hearts. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Has anyone hurt you, mistreated you, misunderstood you? In these deep places of the heart, ask for the grace to forgive. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 And lead us not into temptation. Pray for freedom from all that could cause spiritual harm. Make this prayer for yourself, your family, the church, and the world. 
but deliver us from evil. Ask for protection and safety from all evil. Ask this of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 Amen. You've been listening to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. To obtain the book on which this series is based, A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit EWTN.com, the website for the publisher, EWTN Publishing. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this program has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our mission of bringing free spiritual formation material to the world. But most of all, we hope you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for... A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher.